When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics podcast in association with 23. This is the show that explores the ever-growing world of football analytics and takes on the many tactical and topical discussions within the game. It's episode 67 and we're asking how reliable is the league table at the moment? My name is Mark Carey and joining me as ever is Ryan Bailey, who I've not spoken to about football in a while. So Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, A while being what? A week or something? Yeah, that's ages. That is quite a while, actually. It's been a little while since we recorded, but you ask how I am. I'm not happy, Mark, and I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> at the time of recording, it's Tuesday the 18th of October, <laughs> and the time is 18.31, and we've missed the FPL deadline on a Tuesday. Who who puts games on a Tuesday? Premier League games, please. And 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 at six PM deadline. Come on, how are we meant to keep up with that? Midweek games, they'll get you. And the worst, I think, is around Christmas time because there's just so many games on yeah. days that you don't even know. That sort of festive period when you don't even know what day or date it is, you can get caught out quite a lot. And I do think that's where a lot of FPL managers get their edge. That's when you can start to, some gaps can open up when those who do remember will creep up the, the league table versus those who don't remember who fall behind. And we sort of fell at the first hurdle there. Quite a sad state of affairs really, isn't it? When you think that to gain the edge, all you need to do is simply remember to get it right time-wise, which normally we're pretty good at doing for our joint fanalytics team. Um, but I went on the app and it says, the game is updating and will be available soon, which... For Brighton versus Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace versus Wolves, we have really let ourselves down in terms of getting this FPL deadline in. Anyway, enough about that. That's how I am. How are you? It's a shame. It's a shame. Um, well, no, I'm not so good anymore because I am the, <laughs> the co-manager. So I'm, you're dragging me down with you. Mm. So uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not so good anymore. But um, I want you to tell the listeners, Ryan, about a very exciting 
story you have where speaking of Premier League, yeah. you met a Premier League player not so long ago. I actually met a Premier League player who is in goal for my fantasy team, which uh which I didn't actually tell him when I met him. I probably well actually is that really lame to go up and go, oh, you're in my fantasy team? Maybe. Maybe a little bit. He's probably heard it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Especially hasn't he hasn't been doing that well for me points wise. Um, but not <laughs> actually it's not been that bad um, yes I was recently invited uh, I've got a new job which I am uh, creating a golf podcast which is really fun with a golfer called Beef Johnston who's a really cool guy and he invited me to an Arsenal game because he's a massive fan and the person who got him the tickets was none other than Aaron Ramsdale um, which was amazing so I went along to the uh, Arsenal versus Bodo Glimt game uh, a couple of weeks ago which was really fun love it yeah and not only did I go to the game and had great seats, I had tickets to the uh, Players' Lounge. Uh, so you may have been to the odd uh, press thing in the past, Mark, which we've covered. Um, but have you ever been to a Players' Lounge before? I don't think I have. I don't recall that I have. And I was very interested to hear what it was like, not what I was expecting based on what you told me. Well, I was going to say, how would you, if you had to say in your mind what the players lounge looks like after a european game you know what mm. what, what are you thinking i'm thinking kind of formal mm. kind of dimly lit because it's nice vibe some some good carpet i don't know why You're- but I'm, I'm imagining some really kind of regal carpet it's going to be very <laughs> neat and tidy um but it's going to be basically like a really good smart bar you're describing like a speakeasy um basically right yeah what's that you know, a speakeasy, like one of those um one of those like whiskey bars that was like an underground sort of whiskey bar thing. You know, from like the nineteen yeah, twenties. Well, okay. okay, yeah, well that's the sort of vibe I'm thinking, straight off the bat, in the Emirates. <laughs> well I can tell you it wasn't quite like that. basically we went through the car park to try and get there. It was absolutely mad. If you think about how much security there must be at football grounds, we basically went down a lift that a steward told us to go down into the car park which I really don't think we should have been in so we were sort of walking around there was like these black Lamborghinis um, the, you know those sort of like Range Rovers or, or you know there's like those metallic Mercedes Jeep looking things um, oh, yeah. I swear I saw Zinchenko in a red Jeep um, someone nice. who looked like Zinchenko which you imagine it might have been him um, anyway so we were sort of just wandering around these cars couldn't find the entrance I was like how on earth have we been let down here you know, we could be hoodlums who were going to key someone's car. Imagine. Um, but anyway, so then we sort of found our way through, went through a random door or two um, and ended up at the player's lounge. And I walked in and it, no word of a lie. If you imagine what like a a service station crash looks like, you know, like with uh, like a play area for kids with like plastic bean bags and like stuff like that. Had a bright red carpet, um, which was pretty volatile on the eyes. Um, and there was loads of like kids running around screaming and stuff. And I walked in, and there was <laughs> there was a tray of like fish fingers and beans and like other like really beige Your looking dream. foods. <laughs> well, uh, like really beige looking foods on like one of those old cantini sort of serving things. Um, and 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 it was like nothing at all glamorous. And I think it must basically be where like the players' families and sort of guests hang out throughout the game and stuff. Um, but I was expecting similar vibes to you, sort of like really nice bar, um, sort of lovely seating areas and stuff with lots of people in in smart dress who'd been to the game, sort of cheers in or whatever. It was absolutely nothing like that. It was hilariously like a kids' play area, um, which which really made me laugh. 
Well, I must say, yeah, I am very impressed and utterly disappointed for yeah. you in equal measure to know that you did such a cool thing. Yeah. Aaron Ramsdale did come in though and he gave and he like he said hello and shook his hand and chatted a bit about golf and this other other stuff. There was Inketi was in there, Gabriel was in there. Very strange just seeing them sort of wander in. Um so yeah, it, it was it was a really quite hilarious experience, but very not what you would expect. Well, can I ask one question before we move on? How imposing was Aaron Ramsdale because he's not known to be like the tallest goalkeeper but when you actually stood next to him did you feel like he was you know he had a presence about him well he's not you tall because obviously that's quite tall um I'm around six foot and he was a bit taller than me but he was also um quite slight I'd I'd say not you know not not like scrawny necessarily but he definitely wasn't like a massive you know I imagine if you go anywhere near Peter Schmeichel or someone like that they're just absolute large humans um, but mm. now he was sort of a very normal guy and it sort of struck me you know I'm 30 years of age now and it sort of struck me that I was chatting to someone who is like seven years younger than me or something but someone that you spend a lot of time watching you know he's in my fantasy team like I say and you sort mm. of think of you never think of yourself as older than these people do you but then when I was chatting to him I was just like you're just quite a cool nice young guy and <laughs> young you know, lad and you're absolutely minted compared to me. Yeah, but, I was going to say. Well, uh, he, he's not that much. He's not so young that he should be in the crash himself. <laughs> I'm hoping that he wasn't one of the. You think he's that young? Yeah. You're not that old. He wasn't in the ball young, pit in the corner. No, he was. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, I hope that you had enough time to tell him all about the Football Analytics podcast. And I hope for the listeners' sake as well that we're going to get him on for a future episode. I'll call Maybe in a favour. Maybe that's an overpromise. I'll call in a favour. We shall see. But that is a very impressive story, Ryan. I'm glad that you were able to say it. Um, Before we move on to the crux of the episode, other things that have happened in the past few days is the Ballon d'Or has been awarded to none other than Karim Benzema. Yes. Deservedly so, I think. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it kind of has to go on who is winning the biggest accolades, doesn't it, in the Champions League. It feels whoever wins the Champions League has always got a shout of being in it doesn't it and there was going to be no one else from that Real Madrid team who was going to win um, also just probably very well deserved I read somewhere that he was the oldest ever recipient is that right is that right that's interesting I think so at the age of 34 yeah. I think he's the oldest ever recipient of the Ballon d'Or which is quite cool um, well that that brings me perfectly onto a couple of questions I have for you I have a breakdown in oh. front of me of um all of the Ballon d'Or winners, and don't worry, we're not going to spend the whole of this episode going through all of them, um, by by player, by uh, country, and by club. Now, we can fly through some of the country and club, mm. but um, can you name... I mean, there's some very obvious ones. Let's go from 2000 onwards. If you had to have some quick-fire answers okay, um, to, to certainly come to mind, mm. um, from 2000 onwards of the Ballon d'Or winners... Um, obviously Karim Benzema this year. Mm. Can you name any off the top of your head? I'm going to give you 30 seconds. 30 seconds? Well, hang on. Before, before I start, hang on. Oh, it's good on. that you've gone from 2000 because, I mean, basically Ronaldo and Messi have won half of them since 2000 <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, so, <laughs> that is true. Um, all right. So, uh, Michael Owen. Well played. Michael Owen, yeah. Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho, 2005. Kaka. Michael Owen, 2001. Kaka, 2007. Well done. Uh, Cannavaro. I remember he's the only defender to win it, isn't he? Cannavaro, 2006. Well done. Uh, Rivaldo? 15 seconds left. Rivaldo is... Well, he's 1999. Oh, I'll give, give me that you. one then. Go on. Um, I'll give it you. Um, oh, the, the time pressure. Um, Modric. 
Yes. Uh, two seconds. I'll give you one last guess at someone. Oh, balls. Okay, hang on. Um, oh my god. Iniesta. Iniesta is not has not been first. Oh. Um, let's quickly fly, fly through. Luis Figo, two thousand. Michael Owen, two thousand and one. Brazilian Ronaldo, two thousand and two. Oh, Andrei Shevchenko, 2004. Ronaldinho, 2005. Fabio Cannavaro, 2006. Kaká, 2007. Loads of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Yeah. Um, with uh, Luka Modric in 2018. Messi again. Messi again. And Karim Benzema this year. Now, one single question. Which country has been the most popular in terms of wins? Got to be Brazil, hasn't it? It is Germany. Oh. Now, what? Which club has had the most wins? Oh my god! Do you think? Uh, Trick question. Joint. There's there's two. Joint top. Barcelona. Correct. And Bayern Munich. No, surprisingly not actually. Um, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Twelve. <laughs> that should have just. That's just quite a simple answer, isn't it? Definitely should have just said yeah. that. Since Ronaldo and Messi have got it. like half of them again. Um, who's two thousand three? Two thousand and three was. Uh, Pavel Nedved. 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 That's a tough one, isn't it? That is. I also never would have said Shevchenko in 2004. I did not think he would have won it that yeah, recently. He was flying in 2004. Nedved ahead of Thierry Henry. Wow. So Thierry Henry never won it. No, that's a surprising one. That really that is, season it? as well. I probably got a Premier League bias there. But mm. um, what a quiz! I enjoyed that. We should just carry on with talking about <laughs> Ballon d'Or. Johan Cruyff. Anything. Yeah, I'm crying. yeah, we did, we didn't done pre two thousand as well. Pre two thousand, um, we might be here all day. True. With that in mind, let's get into the crux of the main episode. Does that sound good? Yes. Mark, this is exciting. Why don't you tell the listeners about our new collaboration with Spitch? Tell them what Spitch is. So, Spitch is basically a live fantasy football manager app and you can pit yourself against other managers, basically. And the fun thing is that you can win real money in the process. And what's great is that you can compete across multiple leagues worldwide. So, rather than just the fantasy Premier League that we do, you can compete in other leagues like the German Bundesliga, the Premier League, of course, and others like the Champions League and the Europa League. I mean, if it was like fantasy premier league then we'd win absolutely nothing but it's not like fantasy premier league because the difference is you can create a brand new lineup for each match day so basically no more selection regret when a player you've chosen is going through a bad run of form and what else is different mark well i think it's right up our street because it goes into greater depth with the analytics side which is so true to the football fanalytics podcast so it awards points for basically every action on the pitch so things like passes tackles blocks and shots everything that you can think of all count towards your match score so for the first time ever we can cheer on a pot shot from miles away exactly so make sure you sign up download the app and register now once you've registered you can join the football fanalytics podcast league so come and get involved play against me and mark the link is in our bio join spitch now so as you mentioned before, Ryan, there are Premier League games happening tonight, which yeah. probably makes this entire conversation redundant because <laughs> there are more points to be accrued at the time of recording. But I thought it'd be a good chance to take stock of the, the early trends, a little mm -hmm. look at the Premier League table and also how much it may be 
deceiving us, shall we say, and how much stock we can place in it. Um, but irrespective of the exact number of points accrued, have there been any teams who have surprised you? And that is good, bad, or in between um, in terms of yeah, in terms of their performance. Well, actually, I'm just looking at the league table right now. And uh, as you say, depending on tonight's result, anything I say could be inaccurate. So uh, mm-hmm. apologies to the listener. Um, but there's actually quite a few surprises, really, when you look up and down, isn't there? In terms of teams who you thought would be definitely up there are not. And teams who are up there who I definitely didn't think would be. I mean, first of all, Newcastle United, I'm not going to lie. I know I know the money situation has happened, the takeover, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't expect them to be sitting in sixth um, mm, after going well. after 10 games. I know that they'd be, I knew they'd be better this year and they showed signs of promise at the end of last season, but I just never really thought they'd actually be, you know, sort of up there and in amongst it. Who knows where they will be in a few weeks' time, but at the moment, mm. looking at my screen, they're sixth. And, uh, and are unbeaten in five. Um, Leicester are the obvious ones, aren't they? Being all the way down there to be a, a sort of a disappointment and a uh, an unexpected d- disappointment and change in, in their sort of fortunes. Um, Liverpool, obviously, I won't go too heavy on that with you because yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're both in a good mood and I want to keep it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. And the other one that surprised me was um, probably Fulham and Bournemouth, who are sat at the moment at 10th and 11th, which mm. is not bad, is it, for two promoted teams? I know Bournemouth obviously sacked their manager. Uh, very early on in the season, but 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 they're doing pretty well, I would say, with thirteen True. points, uh, thirteen and twelve points apiece. So yeah, definitely not how I thought the table would look at this stage. No, but there's still there's so much of the the pack will shuffle. I long think, old season, the, a long old season. Not everyone has played each other yet, and you know this is why we're looking at early trends. I think about the the ten game mark is a good chance to to take stock. I, I completely agree with everything that you said. The only one for me, which I think I tweeted about fairly recently, is Aston Villa at the moment sitting in sixteenth. Mm. And for me, they are a team who looks and sounds good on paper. If you were to go through their starting eleven, you'd be like, "Oh, Martinez, good player. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm. Well, Mings and Conzo at the back. Oh, good, good centre back. Okay, Matty Cash on the right, Young on the left. Yeah, not bad. You go through. Oh, Bubakar Kamara. Okay, good, good young midfield, etc. You know, Ollie Watkins, Danny Ings, Coutinho, Leon Bailey. All those, all good names, I think, on paper. But it just really hasn't clicked. There doesn't seem mm. to be much of a, a pattern of play. They don't seem to be very robust. They are, you know, having a few individual errors, but. Sitting in 16th, I think, for the, the quality of the team that they have um, on paper and, and, you know, in reality, they, they should be doing a lot better. So it surprises me that they are where they are. Um, maybe, dare I say it, Stephen Gerrard isn't doing the best job. But I don't think I can possibly say that without burning. So <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like, gonna... I thought you were going to say something factual or statistical. I, I couldn't possibly say that without referencing this. But no, it's just you you would combust internally if yeah. you said anything negative about Stephen Gerrard. Correct. Correct. Just not, just, oh God, I feel sick even just thinking about it. Um, anyway. <laughs> all hell, Stephen Gerrard. He's the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me start that all over again. I'm just going to delete everything and then edit that. Um, no, of course. Uh, yeah, it's still so early on. Um, it's the, yeah, the question is, as I say, how much do we place stock in points? And maybe at this stage, what's the alternative to, to maybe look at how each team has performed? And you even think about things like sackings. You know, if a, a manager, think about Brendan Rodgers, as you say, if a manager were to, to make the case that their team 
isn't necessarily as as bad um, as they might as their results might have suggested, then you would maybe point to something like expected goal difference. Yeah. Um, so looking at obviously the the quality of the chances that a team has created and conceded per ninety minutes, add them together and see what the sort of the net expected goal difference is mm-hmm. um, as a proxy of it. So. I guess I wanted to look at where there might be some kind of big discrepancies um, in that to to compare with the league table. So um, if we were to base it on expected goal difference per 90, top of the league would not be Arsenal, Ryan. Who would it be? Nice and easy, obvious. Man City. Man City. uh, So this is using uh, data from Stasbomb via fbref.com. Manchester City have a, let's round it up to 1.5, a plus 1.5 expected goal difference. So on average, they'd be expected to score one and a half goals more than their opponent per 90 minutes. Um, Followed by Arsenal. So it does show that Arsenal maybe have been a a little bit fortunate. You know, they have been playing very well um, in the early part of the season, don't get me wrong, but a little bit, um, maybe less so than their their points, uh, Mm. points Sally suggests. A bit lucky against Leeds, I'd say. I think that's fair to oh, say. Oh, I think you've been kind um, there. I think they're a bit more than lucky. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they could have easily drawn, maybe even lost, given mm. that. If Patrick Bamford could hit the goal. Yeah, even getting on target. It's quite mm. rare to see strikers even miss the target in penalties nowadays. But um, So, yeah, they they would be second on 0.9. Who do you think would be third? This is an interesting one. I think it would be Brighton. Good makes sense that you would maybe think that um, it's actually Newcastle. You spoke about them before, oh, and right. while they are sixth in um, in the league based on points, third, zero point seven positively uh, expected goal difference based on their performances, which is impressive. You got to say, you, do you do you think could they? Do you think it's too soon for for them to be spoken about in Europe? I don't know. Maybe not. They. I don't know. Is it? I really don't know. I, 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 I never thought they'd be sort of this, this good. But they just look quite solid, don't they? In, in, in lots of areas, they do. I mean, you look at. I know that I said we're not placing too much stock in points, but they have drawn six um, mm. so far this season, more than any other side. So maybe it's that they are a bit toothless right at the top end. I think Isak has, yeah. has been out injured, but they, they also have been fairly good in defence. So they're kind of neither one nor the other at the moment. But interesting to see. Um, that they they're going well. Liverpool would be fourth while they are positioned in eighth at the moment. Liverpool would be fourth based oh, okay. on their expected goal difference. Um, I won't go through every single one, but who do you think um, would be bottom based on their expected goal difference at the moment? I'm going to say Southampton. It's not Southampton, but do you feel like I feel like Southampton are a bit of a meh team? I was literally going to say the word meh. And then you went and yeah. said meh, which means by default, it must be an absolute meh team. Yeah, I just couldn't really tell you all that much. I mean, we know about this sort of... I read a good article by one of your colleagues that was about how um, they basically just completely re- rely on James Will Prowse and they've got absolutely nothing else going for them, which I thought was pretty yeah. damning, but couldn't really think of a counter argument. So, I, yeah. Yeah. We speak about Hassan Huttle's like, style of play and the Red Bulls sort of system and stuff, but it's just kind of withdrawn to just kind of nothing but yeah it's not Southampton um, bottom of the league would be Bournemouth really minus one expected goal difference per 90 now this is the thing which we think about we've spoken about sample sizes we spoke about this sort of thing before in terms of expected goal difference and expected points but it's worth a refresher Ryan that 10 games in something like a 9-0 loss is going to skew the the average well, of quite course. significantly 
So you think about this sort of, yeah, one game here and there does make a big difference to the average when you've just got a sample size of 10. So losing 9-0 to Liverpool probably skews it a little bit considering, as you say, they're unbeaten in in five. Um, But they would be bottom of the league based on expected goal difference. Second bottom would be Fulham. So Bournemouth actually 10th at the moment, Fulham 11th, but based on expected goal difference would both be in the the bottom three, actually as well as Nottingham Forest, who at the moment are just like, they're beyond meh at the moment. They just don't have an identity for reasons that we know with the player turnover. But it's interesting to see that the three teams who have just been promoted currently, and of course only currently, are um, in the bottom three based on expected goal difference, which is interesting to see. That is interesting to see. I mean, Forest are going to go down, aren't they? Would you say? Yeah, can they afford to go down? The amount of turnover they've of mm. players that they've had, um, I don't quite know what's going to change. But I, I thought that I'd really enjoy watching them, but I really don't. It looks like a bit of a car crash each time, doesn't it? It does, and you're like, who's that player again? Oh, who's that? I don't recognise any of them because they're all new. And uh, yeah, or yeah. oh, I can't believe they signed him. I didn't realise, which shouldn't be the case. Was it Serge Aurier that went to play for them? That was the one that <laughs> yeah. got me the other day. I was like, how have you ended up at Nottingham Forest? <laughs> it's <laughs> Such mad, a random it? thing. Um, interesting, yeah. I mean, that 9-0 thing, skewing the whole thing for Bournemouth is quite interesting. Um, do you? Here's a question. It's a bit of an off-piece question. You know, in our very first episode of uh, the Football Fanalytics podcast, we did it on expected goals. And uh, we now sit here recording episode 67 we think some mm-hmm. people listen to this podcast, hopefully, um, which is a nice thing. D- have you noticed an, an attitude change towards the words expected goal since we started doing this? So, you know, we're now talking about expected goal difference and everything. But if you have conversations with people outside of work and in general football things, do you, do you find that anyone is more accepting of the concepts of ex- expected goals than they were before? It's probably a difficult one for me to answer because the people that I maybe surround myself with or work with or talk about football with are very familiar with Mm. that sort of metric and that sort of conversation, if that makes sense. Um, So I might be in a bit of an echo chamber or a bubble where I think that everyone, my sample of people almost is that everyone understands it. But from what I've spoken to other people about, um, read uh, Rory Smith's book, um, recently talking about that sort of thing that there's still, I think, I was going to say a fight to be fought. That's a bit of the crux of our podcast really, isn't it? It's not, yeah. of course, a, a fight or trying to push it down people's throats, but it still feels like there is maybe a long way to go. Um, I think there was something interesting actually at that Statsbomb conference that, that I went to recently, one of the sort of the Q&A panels, which was included Rory Smith, and the title of the Q&A was The End of the Beginning which Ooh. I thought was interesting in terms of analytics in that we've almost, you know, you can call it the end of chapter one, for example, that it's kind of had this progress. A lot of progress has been made over over a decade, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now that it's like, there's no going back now. We know that it's going to be part of the way that we think about football, certainly within clubs, largely yeah. in the media, probably more as your average punter as well. Um we can all accept that. Now let's kind of move on to the next chapter. So I thought the end of the beginning was a very apt phrase for, for the Q&A. I hope that kind of answers your question. It's very apt and it also sounds quite um, quite epic, the end of the beginning sort of thing. Yeah. I like, like the sound of that. Yeah, um, it sounds like a sequel to a really good action film. Mm, mm, the beginning of the end. <laughs> yeah, or almost like the, 
I'm going to stop there. I don't know where my analogy is going. Um, <laughs> I, uh, that's interesting. It's, it's good to hear, but also a long way to go. I was sat near someone at a wedding uh, not long ago. I ended up chatting to someone and then got talking about football. And obviously, um, uh, you know, you end up talking about what's good, what's not. And I sort of mentioned the, the concept of expected goals and immediately, almost word for word, got the spiel of what a load of rubbish uh, that we used in our opening episode. So to which I attempted to start going, oh, actually, it's it's more mm-hmm. interesting than you might think. But, you know, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like, in the end, I was just like, oh, go listen to episode one. There's a good podcast on it. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> just see, Bless see what you it's all trying, about. Ryan. You're just a bit like, yeah, it's, it's still, still going to be, still a long way to go, isn't there? So, um, yeah, just interested here. Yeah. I, well, yeah, it's just becoming more and more... People are at least more and more familiar with it. So even the mm. fact that they said they had an opinion on it is probably just slight progress from being like, no, I've never heard of that. So I don't know. Um, this, yeah, we've had many conversations about this before, haven't we? But hopefully the the listeners are of the opinion that it is at least valuable. So I think, well, there's two parts to this sort of episode of the use of expected goals, expected goal difference per 90 to have a bit of a clear indication of where where the league is based on performance. But of course, the other thing being that we are nine slash 10 slash 11, probably by the time people listen to this games into the season. So still early doors. Um, And I think that we've spoken about it before of when you should, I guess, place stock in not necessarily points, but goals or expected goals at different times throughout the season. Yeah. Um, And many people will probably be familiar with what I'm about to say, which is a very well-known article by David Sumter, um, who's does fantastic work. We all know that. Um, and it's the title of it from 2017 is Should You Write About Real Goals or Expected Goals? A Guide mm. for Journalists. So very useful for me in, in particular. Um, but it shows a really nice, neat kind of graphic to show, um, yeah, at what point you, you can sort of play stock in them. So right. I'm just going to read a, a little bit out from it, if that's all right. Please right? do. So he essentially breaks it down into sort of buckets of uh, matches. So he starts with, if you were to look at XG and goals um, across one or two matches, and quite rightly, he said at the start, this sort of thing is highly noisy in that there's just not too much you can really extract from it because of reasons that we know that across a couple of games, you can very much be lucky, Um, even in the the underlying numbers as well as obviously the goals. Um, He goes on to three to six matches, which is where he said that here it's really useful probably to do uh, a bit of an expected goals report to, to actually then look more focus more on the underlying numbers because you can start to get a bit more of the the pattern in performance and mm. how goals will tell a different story because you might just, as I say, be lucky. Um, seven to 16 matches. This is the window that we're in now, of course, um, for which David said, this is the most exciting time for Ooh. XG journalism. So he said, now goals are becoming a more reasonable measurement of performance. So we're probably going more into, obviously we're in the middle now, but more into placing stock in into goals, but appraising both together and seeing what that difference is, I think could be really useful at this stage of the season. Um, he said, it's difficult to sustain a 10 match lucky streak and you don't really expect to have a 10 match bad run unless the team is really poor. So if yeah. XG and goals contradict each other, then you have a real story on your hands, Ooh. which is, I guess, yeah, was true. The, the 10 match lucky streak or 10 match bad run is true. I think at this stage of the season as well, there's so much to be said for um 
I guess what I'll call season states of who you've played basically if you had a really terrible fixture schedule yeah and that's been like five games that's half of your whole season so yeah yeah I think sometimes you can you got to take those things into account um and 17 matches onwards place more uh, stock in goals really he said that you know well, he said here, I once told a club analyst whose team had overperformed expected goals for a whole season that this was probably because his team was actually good. Mm. So at this point, you think, well, yeah, they've been the teams who actually stick the ball in the back of the net. Yes, it's good to look at the, the underlying numbers, but what has your team actually done in the face of that predictive model? If they are outbeating it, then they're doing something right, basically. Mm. So 17 games onwards. Um, so just about halfway through the season, you can start to... Well, I said before, the, the, the pack starts to shuffle at this stage yeah. of the season. That pack starts to get into a bit of order after about yeah. 17 matches. So I'll post this uh, in the bio, link it in the bio. I think it's an interesting article for those who haven't read it, um, just to look at that difference. But yeah, we're at the stage now where we're creeping into looking at expected goals and going into looking at goals mm. and goal difference. Nice. That reminds me when you say about the pack shuffling. Have you seen those uh, animations where... They go from like the start of the season, it's got the 20 teams on a graph, yeah. like the horse race graph, and then they sort of like shuffle <laughs> along. And then as they get to the end, it kind of like flattens out, doesn't it? With less yeah. things. Just quite an enjoyable watch. Uh, okay, not, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's not really anything clever to say about it. I just quite enjoy those. They are they are good animations. I think we've done those on site a couple of times. And they do get a little bit confusing, but I do like watching them. Not when you've got a brain like mine, mate, who understands oh, uh, clever graphs. I like looking at the numbers, the static numbers yeah. and them only. The hard, cold um, numbers. The final thing I'll say is it's very early on in the season to be even thinking about this, but there's basically statistical models that exist to predict the final league table. We may have spoken about this before, but the one I'm looking at is 538 and yeah. their, um, their club soccer prediction model, which uses the team strength and basically models and simulates the the remaining fixtures based on that league strength, taking yep. into account some of the most recent games and what the team form is like, etc. Um, models it basically plays, quote unquote, plays the season 20,000 times or more and yep. sees what the most common final um, positioning is. Uh, not a tough one. Who do you believe is going to finish, based on the all of the underlying numbers so far this season, who do you believe is going to finish top, Ryan? So boring, isn't it? But it's hard to not say Man City. I, I just don't think Arsenal can sustain it, which, you know, they're obviously, this is the better Arsenal team that we've seen in quite a few years. But I'm just not sure they'll outlast it, to be honest. Especially when you watch things like the Leeds game, I watch the highlights of that. And I, you know, I, I don't, they just got lucky, didn't they? Which you need a few of those throughout the season, but they weren't exactly Doesn't performing brilliantly. Whereas like when you were watching Man City and Liverpool at the weekend, I don't know about you, but I was just like, I'm clearly watching the best two teams in the league here. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, I know Liverpool haven't been at their best, but they've still got it, haven't they? In, in lots of departments. I think it'll be Man City, basically. Um, which is such a boring answer, isn't it? No, well, unfortunately, Man City are making this league boring Quite because boring. they are so good. It's because they are so good. Um, the top four will be more interesting, won't it? Go on then. What's your prediction? I'm looking at it right now, the 538 model, but what would be your guess of what they, they predict based on the, the current team strength? Man City. Man City. 
Arsenal will be second, I think. Yep. 15% chance of winning the league, but 74% chance of being in the top four. Mm, oh, it's the Tottenham, Chelsea, Man United conundrum because I don't think Man United are good enough to be top four. Whenever I've watched Tottenham this season, I don't really think they're good enough to be top four, but they've just seemed to hang on. So I think it'd be Chelsea third and I think Liverpool will end up being fourth. Very, very close. I agree with you on the Spurs point. I, for all that they are grinding out wins, uh, just my opinion, I don't find them that entertaining to watch. No. Um, but they have put, 538 have put Liverpool in third with a 70% chance of getting in the top four. Um, and Chelsea, 52% of getting in the top four, just ahead of Tottenham on 51%. Of course, this will change throughout the season as mm. the results come in. But um, yeah, currently at this early stage of the season, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea to get in the top four. I just think Liverpool have just got... It, it, the, the, those first nine games are just going to really give they've really given them an uphill uphill start haven't they really an uphill battle to to get there yeah. and I think Tottenham have almost been they've had a downhill start and it'll sort of go the other way and, and it'll catch up with them yeah yeah it's a long old season how many times it always comes back to the fact it's a long old season doesn't it so much can change and I do think it's going to be a different season to, to normal because of obviously the World Cup it's basically mm. two mini seasons, isn't it? So in turn, you think about momentum at certain points of the year, games back to back, like team form and things like that. You've basically starting all over again. Come, yeah. what would it be? End of December? And Erling Haaland will be in some weird Death Star cryo chamber for the whole mm. of the World <laughs> Cup, just sort of recharging and coming back as an absolute Terminator. So Man City will just in. have that, won't they? It'll get plugged in, basically. Exactly, yeah. So it's many things will happen and change throughout the whole season with the World Cup slap bang in the middle. Um, but yeah, we've kind of gone through all different statistical ideas there. We've mm. gone through expected goal difference. We've gone through sample size. We've gone through the goals versus expected goal difference and, and the sample size. We've gone through statistical models of simulations of the league table, all to predict what will happen in the future, as well as looking at what ha what's happened in the early stage of the season. I enjoyed it because it was about statistics, Ryan. Did you enjoy it as much as I did? I did. And when you say we've covered all that, we've managed that, but we've managed still to miss our six o'clock deadline for the FPL. Well, we can't be perfect, mate. No, but we need to sort our priorities out, don't we, slightly, you know. Anyway. Well, look. I'm just thinking of the listeners. I'm just always just thinking of other people, thinking of the listeners, trying to record some good content. Maybe we need to be a bit more selfish. Yeah, that's true. The, although I don't think the listeners care about our FPL teams too much, do they? So never mind. I can tell by your tone that you are still absolutely gutted. <laughs> I'm trying to bring the energy <laughs> up, trying to keep things light. Yeah. No, I don't care, mate. Don't care. Whatever. Um, right, well, I guess we better go then. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Ryan's, uh, Ryan's going to go have a tantrum um, and we will uh, let everyone else go uh, as well. So thank you for listening, everybody. Um, always like to hear your thoughts, comments, opinions, uh, questions. You know how to get in contact with us. That is fanalytics.pod at gmail.com. Of course, you can get us on social media at fanalyticspod. Um, Ryan is already crying. I can see him crying, so I'm going to have to go. Um, everyone enjoy the rest of your week and we will see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.